<laughs> I'm just waiting for you to settle down. Merry Christmas, everybody. My name is Bill Bolain, and, and I, am, I am just delighted to be with you on this Sunday morning. It's great to see you in God's house. I'm greeting a very fine-looking group here in Lakeville. I want to greet all of you out in Shakopee. I know there's uh, many of you out there. The Spirit's moving in Shakopee as well. I'm greeting all the people who are watching online. I got an email last night from my friend Rolf, who is in Myanmar. It's the other side of the globe. He woke up on Sunday morning at 5.30 a.m., his time, and he said, it's 5 o'clock in Lakeville. So he worshiped with us last night from the other side of the globe. God has a kingdom that is spanning the globe, doesn't he? I love you people, and I love this church, and I love the fact that uh, in the darkest time of the year, I mean, the days are getting uh, shorter, the nights are longer, in the darkest time of the year, we who are believers come together, and we light candles, and we celebrate the coming of the light of the world, Jesus Christ. It's the best time of year, is it not? Let me tell you an experience I had just a couple weeks ago. Nancy and I got on a plane to come home. We had been in Florida. A lot of ministry on the beaches down there, but we were coming home. <laughs> Plane took off about 4 o'clock. About 5 o'clock, I'm sitting in the left-hand window, and about 5 o'clock, I'm starting to watch the sunset, and it is marvelous. And for the next 45 minutes or an hour, might have been an hour and 15 minutes, I lost track of time. I, I sat and was mesmerized by this glorious setting sun. Because as we were flying home, we weren't flying right into the sun, but drawing closer and closer to the light. And so I got to enjoy it. I, was, I wanted to finish reading a book, but I couldn't do it. I just didn't want to miss what was going on. I believe with all my heart, dear friends, that the Lord led you here this morning, every single one of you, and he wants to give you a glimpse of glory that will chase back every bit of darkness in your life. And then not unlike those uh, shepherds that were drawn to the manger, we're going to go home today praising God and telling everyone what we have seen and what we have heard because it's the best news that human ears have ever heard. Is there an amen in the house? That's what God is up to. Bless your hearts for being here. That's the message. Let's uh, take an offering and then we'll go home, okay? Well, let's do the one, all right? The, the ushers are going to come and, and wait on us for our offering. They're here to receive our gifts. Look at me, folks. You understand, we talk about this, that giving is an expression of love. I'm going to give some money. It's an expression of love. When you love someone, what do you do? You give to them. You give of yourself to them. It's also based in faith. I, I can give because I can trust that God is going to care for me and even give me more. So it's an expression of love. It's based in faith. You are blessing other people right now, and it's good for us. There's a psychology, there's a theology, there's an emotion to giving, and it all says that this is good for us. Very simply, it's a kingdom principle. Jesus said it, did he not? It is more blessed to give than receive. I think he knew what he was talking about. Thanks for being a part of the blessing. I love you for that as well. Now... I'm going to have a senior moment. Usually they sneak up on you. Some of you know this. You, you walk into the room and you think, what in the world did I come into this room for? You know, is it door number one or door number two or should I phone a friend or what? Well, I, I'm choosing in this moment to talk to you who are older adults here at Hosanna. You don't like to be called seniors, although you love the senior discount. Most of you know, many of you know that we have started this ministry for older adults called Overtime, 55 and over, okay? We've met a few times. We're having the time of our lives. It's a great group. We're meeting Tuesday night, okay? 
55 and over, Tuesday night, over in our chapel, come about 6.30, come a little bit earlier, wear a Christmas sweater, we're going to swing, swing, we're going to sing Christmas carols, we're going to swing too, because we can, John Russell and the Mature Band will be leading us, and then we're going to have Christmas cookies afterwards, it's a great night, 6.30 this Tuesday, if you're younger than 55, you can't come. And why would you want to? All we talk about is our great trips and our bad hips. So you're not going to, you know, someday for you. Okay, now let's get on with it. We're in a sermon series here at Hosanna. And it is called, He Shall Be Called. We're considering the many names that Jesus has called in Scripture. And, and some of you have been around the Bible much of your life. And you know there's dozens of names. Dozens of ways to refer to Jesus. Rabbi and counselor and, and friend and teacher and Lord and Messiah and Savior and on and on. We're looking at the four expressions or names for Jesus that are found in the Old Testament. You've been hearing this these weeks. Isaiah, this you know, great prophet in the Old Testament, 700 years before Jesus, said to God's people, God's looking out for you and he's going to give you a sign. He's going to take care of you. And Isaiah 9 verse 6 reads this way. For unto us uh, a child is born, and a son is given. The government will rest upon his shoulders, and he shall be called, and here we go, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are the four names we've been considering. Uh, you might know, some of you, that, that expression, the last one there that we're talking about today, Prince of Peace. This is the only place it's found in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? Uh, verses on peace. There's dozens of them in Scripture, but this is the only place where we see Prince of Peace. And I, I don't know. I, I probably won't say this to the 11 o'clock people because I trust you more, but this is a, a bit of a personal note. It's, it's kind of odd that I'm preaching on the, on the Prince of Peace, and here's why. Some of you know that I started this congregation 30, almost 38 years ago knocking on doors. Went around, knocking on doors. My name is Bill Boleyn. We're starting a new church called Hosanna. I'd love to have you consider it. And may I ask, do you have a church home? And this door I knocked on, they said, I go to Prince of Peace. <clears throat> and I knock on this door, I go to Prince of Peace. This guy goes to Faith Covenant. She goes to Risen Savior. And the next six houses go to Prince of Peace. I had it up to here with Prince of Peace. I was immature then, <laughs> jealous, I'm in a different spot right now, okay? And so I'm okay preaching about Prince of Peace. And by the way, it's a wonderful church, sort of. <laughs> you know that Ryan started this uh, sermon series a couple weeks ago, and, and he uh, had a wonderful message about wonderful counselor. I thought it was from his heart. It was terrific. And last week, Julia talked about two names, uh, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And it was a wonderful message as well, it really was. I think you might remember that Julia said last week, it was a good thing that the men who were preaching in this sermon series each only had one name because it was up to the female who would be much more capable and comfortable preaching about two names on one given weekend. <laughs> Do you remember that she said that? I do too. <laughs> and with my newfound maturity, I'm going to let it go. <laughs> For now. 
Prince of Peace. Let's lean in on the name, okay, just for a moment. Prince, if you look up the definition, you would see that it means um, one of high ranking, leader, ruler, royal power, dignity, authority, you know, many other words that describe a prince, one who oversees people. Here in America, we, we, uh, we, we don't have a, a system of royalty. We don't have a king and queen or any princes, so we're not that familiar with it. Although there's been a prince who's been in the news this last week. And we Americans know this, right? Prince Harry. His Royal Highness, Prince Harry of Wales. I, it's, I don't know. I always wonder, what's the guy's last name? We never know their last names. They got six titles, but no last name. Prince Harry is marrying an American. Yep. Um, Meghan Markle, she's delightful. They're getting married. And the announcement was they're getting married on May 19th. Yes? I have my DVR set. You'll be happy to know that they are registered at Pottery Barn and Fleet Farm, and it's going to be a big deal, okay? This is, this is their moment in the sun. That's the prince that's been in the news. Here's the other thing that Isaiah said about the Prince of Peace that we're talking about. What he said was, uh, Jesus as Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, familiar words, of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. <laughs> He's not just going to have a moment in the sun. He is the eternal, everlasting Prince of Peace. And then we consider the word peace. And many of you, again, you've been around Scripture, and you know that the Hebrew word is shalom. Jewish people greet each other with that word, shalom. Uh, peace, oftentimes uh, we think that it simply means uh, no more hostility. The, the, the fighting has ended. We have a, you know, the, the war ends. There's a peace treaty, and it certainly means that. But I have to tell you, folks, that the word shalom is much more textured than that. It's richer than that. And the kind of peace that we're talking about in Scripture relates to a sense of oneness, a sense of wholeness and health and harmony and completeness, all of that and even more, well-being and centered, that kind of peace. And this is the kind of peace that, that circumstances can't, take away from you, can't diminish it. And I would say to every listening ear, this is the kind of peace that every human heart desires. Again, the sense of well-being and belonging. So let's consider it. How many of you have a sense of that kind of peace? Uh, how many of you have known Jesus as the Prince of Peace? Let's consider these things. I'm going to invite you into a passage in Scripture. It's going to be in Ephesians uh, 2, Verse 14, if you have your Bible, you might want to open it up so you can mark it up a little bit. Put the date on that we considered it. I would tell you, folks, it's a very challenging passage. And so we'll, we'll pick up on some things this morning, but I hope in your small group later you can, uh, you can follow up on this and dig a little bit deeper, okay? What we're, let me just set the scene for you. What we're going to find here is Paul is writing about the fact that, that Jesus brought peace to the Gentiles and the Jews. Is that a big deal? Like way, it's an enormous deal. The Gentiles and the Jews. I don't have a very large wingspan here, but polar opposites, different camps, enemies, hatred, bitterness. It's deep-seated. It's been going on for years. Uh, the Gentiles and the Jews. You would liken it today to the Palestinians and the uh, Israelis. And why has uh, Middle East been so elusive for some of the finest minds and leaders in the world? It's because of the history of hatred 
and the hardness of hearts. I was reading last night that many events are being canceled in Bethlehem right now because of the tension there. Okay, so we get that now. Similar thing in Jesus' time, the Gentiles and the Jews. Jesus brought peace to them. Let's read about it, okay? Ephesians 2, pick it up with me at verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near him. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. That's our lesson for this morning. There's some complexity to it. Let's start to dig into it. I would just say a couple things. First of all, this is a Sunday school part of the lesson. Jesus didn't say, you two stop fighting. Go to your rooms. Take a time out. You know, just stop calling your brother names. That would have been only a temporary thing if he had achieved that kind of peace, that kind of separation, okay? That's not what he did. The second thing I want you to take note of is if you went back and, or you have it in front of you, the first thing Paul says is that Jesus himself is our peace. He is the measure of peace. He's the source of peace. He's the center of peace. Only in him can we find the oneness or harmony that we are seeking. I want to bring something back to your minds. I mentioned it before. I, I know a number of you saw the, the Christmas concert here at Hosanna. Oh, man, I love those too. But one of the things that strikes me any concert that you go to where there's an orchestra just before the orchestra plays, remember what happens. The first chair violinist stands up and he or she gives the concert note, okay? And it's a fun thing to see. Then every instrument in the orchestra tunes to that one note. Yes? The, the instruments are different in their sound and what they can do, but they're tuned into this one note. And once that is accomplished, then the music that comes is magnificent and glorious and harmonious. What I'm saying to you folks is that for all of us who are seeking peace, Jesus is that one note. <laughs> He's the concert note. He's the one that when we, we tune our lives into him, when we listen to him, when we follow him, then there comes a sense of oneness and a sense of peace and a sense of harmony. It goes beyond our imagination. Now, Paul, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I hate to get, or I don't like giving a formula, but he, there's three things that he says that Jesus did to resolve the conflict, to bring peace to the Jews and the Gentiles. First thing that Paul tells us is, is that he made the two groups one. Verse 14, he made the two groups one. Well, how in the world did he do that? In a way, what he did is he showed them both how far they were from God. The, the issue wasn't one another. It was how far they were from God. The Gentiles had been excluded. There was literally a, a wall in the temple in Jerusalem that said, you Gentiles, you can't go any further than this. They had been excluded from the worship life of the community. 
And so for them, there was this bitterness and this anger and hatred. There was. For the Jews, my goodness, they were the chosen people, chosen to reflect this relationship that they had with God. But for them, it became a matter of arrogance and pride and condemnation and self-righteousness. And Jesus, this concert note, the Prince of Peace, showed them both how far away they were from God. And standing before him, the two became one, and they recognized their need for him. Two groups became one. Second thing in verse 14, um, Jesus destroyed this dividing wall of hostility. Again, all that separated these people, that, that wall in the temple, the historians or archaeologists have uncovered it with the writing, no Gentile shall go further than this. You know, these walls that were put up. Jesus said, essentially, you've tried your walls and your weapons. I'm not making a political statement. I'm making a biblical statement, but I think it applies to 2017. The Lord would say to us, you have tried your walls and your weapons, and it doesn't work. It doesn't bring peace. It just brings division, and it brings destruction. So he tore down this wall. And, and furthermore, I think, you know, this is my words, but I think Jesus was saying, as long as you continue to think in terms of winners and losers, there are only losers. Why? Because even if you win, you live in fear. Fear of what? Losing and the losers. So Jesus was able to tear down this dividing wall of hostility. We talked about this over the years. For me growing up and for a lot of you, um, there were denominations that had their walls up pretty high. Yes, these denominational walls that separated us. There were the Lutherans, and there were the Catholics, and there were the Baptists, and the, you know all these denominations, and we hardly talked to each other, and when we talked about each other, it wasn't very nice. Said things like this. I, I've told you this before. At my dinner table, I heard my parents say to my sister, don't you ever dare date a Catholic boy. Do you remember what I said about that? I, I remember thinking, I would love to see one. Because I thought, what does this bad dude look like, you know, with these Catholic boys? I didn't think I'd ever seen one. Aren't you glad? Maybe you can relate to that a little. Aren't you glad that these denominational walls have come down a mite? And we can talk to each other. We can see what we have in common. Jesus made the two groups one. He broke down this wall of hostility. And then verse 15 says he created a new humanity. This is the stretch for us. Not only did he accomplish this, but he brought something new out of it. And doesn't it make sense that he would? In Revelations 21.5, last book of the Bible, Jesus is standing over all creation and saying, Behold, I'm making everything new. I make everything new. This is Jesus' redemptive work. It's what he has done and will do through all eternity. And it's also the rebirthing that we can experience with open hearts and open minds. This rebirthing that the Spirit would bring to us when we invite him in. And then a new heart beats within us. It's a heart of tenderness and compassion and forgiveness. There's something new going on in us. Jesus can accomplish that. He did for the Gentiles and the Jews. And then their prayer was, Lord, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, brought wholeness and oneness to these two groups. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. What can we learn from that?
on an Advent Sunday morning here in God's house. I think the first thing that we want to see is clearly God wants for each of us to have this sense of inner peace. He wants that for you, my friend. And you folks in Shakopee and you who are, wherever you are in the sound of my voice, he wants you to have a sense of inner peace. Over the years, um, as people would come to my office and talk to me about what was going on in their lives, you know, stressors and struggles, my spouse or things at work or, you know, physical ailments or fears, doubts, I would listen carefully and listen with with compassion in my heart. But what I came to realize, and I don't mean this in a judging way, but I came to realize for this person, there's just no sense of inner peace. There's no anchor. They're not standing on any kind of rock. They're just rocking and rolling and moving with all these things that are happening around them. It's not what God wants for us. He wants us to have this sense of inner peace. What's the issue? Well, I'll show you another challenging verse. I kind of I put it in here, then I took it out. It's in. It's, it's God's word for us. It's Colossians 1, verse 21. And it reads like this. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Gee whiz. <laughs> you were far from God. You were enemies of God, separated. Who are we talking about? Not us. I mean, we're here, aren't we? And we're all for God. Well, I say this kindly. He doesn't just want your vote. He doesn't want you to be for him. He wants your heart. Jesus said at one point in his ministry, he said it to quite a group, he said, you're either with me or you're against me. Sometimes you do like these jokes that start, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world. And then, then you've got to decide, there's some humor there hopefully, which camp you're in. Only two, only two choices. Jesus said, you're either with me or you're against me. Who's against God? Who's an enemy of God? You, you, you can't fight him, but you can ignore him. That's what it means to be an enemy of God, just to ignore him, the creator, and all that he has for you, and go about things your own way. And then there comes the alienation and the separation, and my goodness, there is no sense of peace there. You can look anywhere you want, and you won't find it. Not a sense of peace. Had fun with the um, had fun with the Halo Kids on Wednesday night. Just love them. This place is nuts on Wednesday night. Just full of kids and life and color. And I got to teach the Halo Kids about the word righteousness. And so I said, let's let's look in the Bible, kids. What we see there is that God's people wanted a king once upon a time. God said, I'll take care of you and protect. Good God, we want a king. Give us a king to do that. So God said, Okay, I'll give you a king. Kind of let them do it their own way. Several kings came for the nation of Israel. And some were good, but most weren't. Not by a long shot. I said to the kids, some, kids, some kings were like this. And I climbed up on a ladder and sat on the top of the ladder with a crown on. And I said, some kings like this, sat on a throne overseeing their people and bossing them around. And said, you go clean your room and you shovel my driveway. And come up here and polish my shoes. And by the way, I would have to think that some of you love me so much you want to bring me some presents. So some of the kids brought me a candy bar and a scarf and a dollar bill and all that. Fine. I was ugly. I got down off the ladder and I said to the kids, Do you, would you like to have a king like that? They were with me. No, no, we don't like that guy. I said, God knew that. 
He knew we needed a kind king and a gracious king and a righteous king. And that would be Jesus. And how do we understand this word righteous? Well, you know, again, it's kind of a Sunday school understanding. Jesus got it right. He did it all right. He loved God and he loved people. He didn't sit up there and lord it over the people. He loved the people and he walked with the people and he touched them and he taught them and he healed them. And he was a righteous king. And he was for them the prince of peace. And oh my, when they listened to him and when they followed him, they did have a sense of well-being, a sense of being in God's care at the center of his heart. Inner peace comes from knowing Jesus. I would lovingly ask you individually, if you and I were having a coffee, to talk to me about that. Do you have a sense of that? Is Jesus right where you want him to be in this season? Second thing that, that the Lord wants for each one of us is this inner peace. It starts there first, but then he wants peace in our relationships. Peace in our families, one with another. I don't need to tell you, you're, you're li- we are living it, we're feeling it. This is a season of heightened emotions, high expectations, high hopes. Year after year it is. And most of those high expectations or hopes relate to our relationships, time with loved ones. We're eager for it. We want it. But this can be a source of heartache for a lot of people too. The relationships aren't where you thought they might be or where you wish they were. There's one of the Christmas carols, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, and and the refrain is, tidings, good tidings of comfort and joy. Tidings of comfort and joy. And um, so often we, we hit the joy note, and we should. There is joy. But some of you in this room in Shakopee and elsewhere, you, you want to, you need the comfort part at Christmas time this year. And I want to say to you, my dear friend, bless you for being here and for listening. God himself has not taken his eye off of you. He has not. Nancy and I um, lost a friend uh, these last few months. Uh, Some of you know the names Terry and Maxine Saul. Longtime members here at Hosanna, kind of leaders in the community, and uh, Terry died uh, of a heart attack in late August. They're, uh, they're friends of Nancy's and mine, and again, members here at Hosanna. Terry flew jets in the Navy back in the day, and then he was a pilot for Northwest. Uh, in his retirement years, he was involved with the Lions and with Panaprog and with Meals on Wheels, and he took a trip with us to Tanzania and just an engaging, involved person. Max taught, uh, taught school down at uh, Lakeville North for years, and the kids loved her. It wasn't until just this last Monday that we were able to bury Terry out at Fort Snelling, the interment ceremony. And some of you have seen this. To, for a person to be buried with full military honors is a very striking thing, and it was. And Terry had earned that. And then there at the graveside, I was able to read a portion of Maxine's Christmas letter. 
This, is, this was a Saul tradition. These are one of the Christmas letters that, that you look forward to. Terry would usually write it. Max would help sometimes, but he was funny. And you, you, you would kind of, Terry's letters here, and you'd sit down and read it. And I, I have to think it might have been easier for Max not to write it this year, but she did. And I would just read you a portion of, of what Maxine wrote. <clears throat> this year, we were reminded when Terry went on his last flight, a trip to heaven, that the time we spend uh, in this life on earth is limited. That limited time is the ongoing wake-up call that reminds us to be joyous, laugh, to love, to be compassionate, to be grateful, and to forgive. The heart of a family is memories. And if you all happen to have similar ones and can savor your reruns, then your family is blessed. That's the kind of peace that God wants for you and for your family. He does. And my hope is, my hope is, that in this season, at this Christmas time, uh, there might come some healing or some reconciliation for some of you, many of you. I don't want to preach about it. I want to pray with you about it. Would you bow your heads for a moment, please? Lord, you can see every beating heart. And you know that some of the hearts are hurting, Lord for many reasons, but you know all about that, Lord. And so I pray that right now, Holy Spirit, you would come as a soothing, gentle balm and touch and heal, comfort, comfort your people. I pray that in this season, Lord, there might be opportunities for new beginnings, for healing, for reconciliation with loved ones and in families. It's a bold request, Lord, but we ask it in the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Inner peace first, peace in our relationships. And then the last thing that the Lord wants for us is for you and me to be peacemakers. Yes? You bet. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. Why? For they shall be called the children of God. And I realize, you know, that this might seem like a stretch again for some of us because we see what's going on in the world and there's turmoil and there's, there's stress and we see it every night in the news. How am I supposed to be a peacemaker? Listen, folks, sometimes we say, well, that's just the way it is. We say that about what we see. Sometimes we say it about ourselves. That's just the way I am. That's just the way she is. Let this thought lean on your mind, please. That's just the way it is. There is not, I want to say this kindly, but there is not one scintilla of faith in that statement. That's just the way it is. It's a denial of everything that we're talking about this morning. It's the denial of Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace who would come and bring peace to the world. He would. That's his desire as well. Jesus came and he showed us how things could be would be and will be in his kingdom. He came as light to show us the way, to be our example. We can follow him. We can see God's desires for us in the life of Jesus Christ. He came as light, but my friends, he also came as power to make it happen. 
Not just show us, but to make it happen. But his power works best in us and through us. It just does. That's his choice. We are to be the peacemakers. And so, again, in this season, I just encourage you, in all occasions, every opportunity that you get, speak kingdom words, kingdom words of hope and encouragement and forgiveness and reconciliation and peace and people will be blessed and God's kingdom will be advanced that's how it works it rests upon us it really does in just a few moments we're going to sing uh, it came upon a midnight clear and, and I want you to hear as we, before we sing it what we're singing about is the angels song what the angels were singing over the plains of Bethlehem And they were singing about peace on earth, goodwill toward all mankind. Peace on earth, goodwill toward all. Just before we sing that, I want to put a picture in your mind if I can. Would you with me picture a beautiful little church, a village church? It's evening time. There's a tall steeple on this church. On the edge of town, there's a light on the cross, but there's a glow about the church. It's beautiful. And it's Christmas Eve, and all the people of the village have come to this little church to worship. We can hear them singing, silent night, holy night. And it's serene and it's beautiful. And then as the uh, service ends, Each family from the village has brought their own lantern and they go up to the front of the church and they light their lantern from the Christ candle there. Each family does that. And then when the service ends, what we see is that from this beautiful church that's aglow, the light of Christ is streaming out into the homes of the people and out into the community. They've seen something. They've experienced something. It's changed them, and it's touched them, and now they're taking it out into the community. It's a beautiful picture, my dear friends, of what is going to happen in this church on this Christmas Eve as we celebrate the birth of the Savior of the world, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas, everybody. Let me pray with you now. Lord, we thank you that your Spirit moves in so many ways. (laughs) We thank you that your presence is felt here among us right now, Lord, here in Lakeville and Shakopee, homes everywhere. We thank you for this season, Lord. We have so much to celebrate. Our hearts are full. We thank you for this picture, Lord, of those who gather and receive and are filled and then they scatter and they go out into the world, into your kingdom and they bring light and they bring hope and they bring joy. Our Lord, may that be true for us this Christmas and we know it will be because you are a wonderful counselor. You're a mighty God an everlasting Father. And you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Jesus.
Amen.